Welcome to Health and Wellbeing on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Peter Mullen. Great to see you again, Peter. Everybody. Lovely to see you too. Just when I thought it was going to be a few weeks ago we saw each other, and now we're back again. Oh, mate, you can't keep a good team apart. Exactly. hope Mark's listening. I hope he is. <laughs> <laughs> What do you got for us today, Peter? We're talking about toxins today. Yeah, we're, so where are you right now, whether you're in your home or your car, at work or out and about, I can guarantee that you're being exposed to a range of environmental toxins. So today I just want to chat a bit about what some of these toxins are, how we can reduce our exposure and hopefully lead a, a much healthier life as a result of that. A bit more toxin-free, that's the goal. Peter, you mentioned something a little bit earlier about glyphosate and a connection with bees, because bees are pretty important. Well, bees are, bees are essential. If the bees go, then we're, we're pretty much done and dusted as well. Yep. And, um, new research or new report out October last year, because for a long time they were saying that, you know, Roundup is, or glyphosates, which are in products like the product I just accidentally yeah, mentioned like, on the radio. Like, like weed killer. Yeah. <laughs> like weed killer. Um, is, you know, minimal, minimal risk to humans and minimal risk to the environment, you know, yep. just targets those weeds. But, um, the, the the herbicide we're talking about is the most widely sprayed herbicide in the world, but um, according to a new report, it actually can kill honeybees as well. Now, the way it does this, and this is how one of the reasons, one of the ways that glyphosates or these chemicals in these um, weed-killing products yep. can also affect humans, is they actually affect the bacteria in the gut of the bees so it makes the bees more vulnerable so same story you know we've talked a lot on this program about the importance of a healthy microbiome and how um, good gut health good healthy bacteria good healthy balance of bacteria actually improves your immunity like studies have been shown with children that if kids take a probiotic through winter they'll get less colds and flus than their um than kids that don't take a probiotic so Good bacteria really helps with a whole host of things, produce vitamins, whole host of things, but particularly important for our immune system. So what they found in this study, they they got bees and they, they put them in contact with um, weed glyphosates, killer. weed killer, and um, they found that the weed killer um, killed or destroyed some of the bacteria in the bees' gut, and as a result, the bees were more easily prone to infection and dying prematurely okay so while the glyphosate doesn't directly affect the bee it affects the gut and interestingly a lot of people don't know this but glyphosates were originally you'll have to say the word patented <laughs> that's the word <laughs> that i struggled with before as an antibiotic yep so this so this glyphosate is actually an antibiotic so um and human exposure um like glyphosates were first introduced in 1974, um, and there's been a massive increase initially in 1993. Um, few people had detectable levels of glyphosate in their urine, but by 2016, 70% of people tested had detectable levels. So 70% of people now, and that was three years ago, are showing um, levels of glyphosate in their urine. Um, men typically have higher levels than women. People who eat oats on a regular basis have twice as much glyphosate in their system as people who don't. So oats are one of the crops that are sprayed a lot with um, glyphosates. Um, but they did find that people who ate organic food on a regular basis have an 80% lower level of glyphosates than those who rarely ate organic. Okay. So glyphosates now have been shown to um, affect in humans. So uh, 
the bees are being affected and it's it's billions of pounds of roundup or sorry those weed chemicals killer. weed killer are used every year continuously so we're headed down a a disastrous route if it just continues yep. like it is, particularly now with this new link with the bees are going to be affected. Um, but in humans, um, again, it can affect our gut bugs. It interferes with the function of a, a cytochrome P450 enzyme, which is important for liver detoxification. So it actually works in, it mimics, in the body, it mimics a natural amino acid called glycine. Glycine is involved in the body a lot of our detox pathways, particularly our liver detoxification. So, the glyphosate is similar in chemical makeup to glycine. So, and glycine is an important part of a lot of our proteins that we produce as well. So we're, we're headed towards a disaster if we don't actually try and do something about this. Um, so this cytochrome P450 enzyme in the liver is required for activation of vitamin D, creation of both nitric oxide, which we need for healthy management of blood pressure, and cholesterol production as well. Um, needed for red blood cell integrity, a whole host of things, interferes with mineral absorption, um, causes toxicity in the brain. So there's so many things that this glyphosate, you know, is is being indicated now as being, you know, a major problem, not just for humans, but also the bees as well. Bees as well, so it's doing a lot of damage that we didn't realise. Yeah, doing a lot of damage. And still the big companies like that make this product are saying that, it's um minimal. They're calling it minimal risk okay, to minimal. humans. That still sounds like a risk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like saying someone's something's going to potentially cause cancer, but it's minimal risk of yeah. cancer. Like at the end of the day, it's still a there's, problem. There's still a chance it might still cause. Yeah, absolutely, conditions. absolutely. What other toxins should we be concerned about? Uh, look, there's a obviously this day and age we're exposed to a whole host of chemicals. Um, a variety, if you will. A variety of chemicals in our environment. You know, things like um, heavy metals like lead, mercury, um, cadmium, aluminium, as well as herbicides, pesticides, um, uh, endocrine-disrupting chemicals. You know, we've talked before about um, BPA in plastic water bottles. and So there's lots of ways that these toxins um, have made it into our water supplies and soil and also into our diet as well. So... Yeah, so there's lots of exposure. Okay, so how can we reduce our exposure? Just day-to-day. Day-to-day. So just before we go there, um, I was in India early this year. Yep. And, you know, when we talk about toxins in our environment, I'd been speaking a bit about toxins before I went to India and coming home from India, sitting on the beach at um, Dixon Park there and looking at how beautiful and clean our ocean appeared, how fresh our air was, like it did have, did make me do a retake on, even in Australia, we're still so fortunate. Yes, there's a lot of chemicals that we're exposed to, but compared to some of these countries around the world where there's been no measures taken or due to massive populations, the toxin levels over there are massive. What's the big river in India? The Ganges. The Ganges, yeah, that's, they pretty much just dump anything in there. Pretty much dead bodies, the works. We went actually when I was in India. I went to um, I did a tour through. They call them slums, like yeah. they're they're they are a slum basically, you know, tin sheds and that sort of thing. And in this one slum that, and they encourage people to go through and have a tour because these slums are quite commercial as well. Like there's a million people live in an area the size of three or four football fields, so it's a massive amount of people in a small space. Yeah. But economically, they do they do produce a fair amount of money, like six or seven million a year, apparently, from this this one slump. Yeah. So they don't want to sort of be seen, but as being you know just the poor of India. But 
what blew me away was one of the so in this in this slum area they have all these different areas that um do different different work so one area i went into they recycled plastic so they had people sorting out the red plastic cutlery they had people sorting out the plastic bottles and then they somehow melt or dissolve all this plastic down and then recast it into thin red strands and then chop it up into little pellets okay put it back in big tubs and then sell it back to the company that recycles the plastic but this is all done manually in very close confines there's no protective wear worn the smell was unbelievably toxic just walking through this one section and um unfortunately the lifespan of the people that did the recycling of the plastic was much reduced from other places in india so you know we're so fortunate another area in the slum um, was where they made um, uh, um, wood-fired kiln product. Like it was wood-fired kiln. They made pottery. Okay, yep. um, they were making chai cups when I was there. And But again, and this was one of the wealthier parts of the slum. They made This was one of the bigger turnovers economically. But they had these massive big wood-fired kilns packed full of dried pottery ready to fire up. They put sawdust underneath and light it. But the buildings where the people were living were like two foot away from the kiln. So all the walls, the corrugated iron walls of where people are living was all black as from the soot yeah. from the fires. And they had a couple of them actually burning and there was kids running around and playing. Oh, right. So. Can't be great for the nose. Can't be great for the, for the toxin. So yeah, we are so fortunate in Australia that we're so much more advanced. But just a couple of tips that people can start to do straight away to even reduce that risk further. Um, drinking filtered water. I'm a big advocate of filtering, getting a good quality water filter. Um, most, most people filter their water now, do you think? Or No, I still come across a lot of people that will just drink straight out of the tap. Really? Yeah. This day and age, people yeah. don't have filtered water. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think it's so important. Like, well, we're so fortunate in Newcastle to have really great quality water. Um, you know, there's a fair few chemicals added to get it to that state of being, you know, killing any bacteria, yeah. etc. So, um, yeah, drinking filtered water, um, choose organic foods. Um, as I was saying in that report from before about, um, glyphosates, they found that people that ate organic fruit and veg had 80% less glyphosate in their urine. Yeah. And, um, there's some great information. People can Google it on the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. So, I do like the names. Yeah, they're awesome, aren't they? So when you're buying organic, organic fruit and veg can be more expensive than your normal stuff. But the clean 15 are the list of, um, fruit and vegetables you can buy that have had minimal or no chemicals used in their production. So it's things like asparagus, avocado, cabbage, eggplant, grapefruit, kiwi fruit, mangoes, mushrooms, uh, onions, pineapple, rock melon, sweet corn, sweet peas, sweet potato and watermelon. So they're generally grown with minimal or less right. chemicals. The dirty dozen, the ones that you really want to try and make more of an effort to get as clean as possible. Apples, blueberries, unfortunately, because they're a, oh really such a popular yeah. What about frozen ones? Well, you can get organic frozen ones okay. as well. Yep. Um, broccoli, uh, capsicum, carrots. That surprised me. I thought carrots growing underground wouldn't have a lot of chemicals used. Celery, cherries. Cucumber, grapes, kale, lettuce, nectarines, peaches, pears, potatoes. Again, I would have thought potatoes. Yeah. Um, spinach, strawberries, and zucchini. But that information is available on. Um, so you, know, you just looked up 
Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 or Dirty Dozen. You'll get a list of those. Um, Check your personal products for toxins. Um, And there's a lot of, pardon me, great natural products that are on the market as well. Leave your shoes at the door. Easy to walk in bacteria, toxins and dirt into your home. Um, Use essential oils instead of fragrances or incenses. Incense. Um, Many fragrances contain a long list of harmful chemicals. Um, while burning incense can create lots of fine particles that can damage your lungs. So we use, instead of using um, aftershave, I use an essential oil blend. And, um, you know, it's fine if you want to smell a bit nicer than what you normally smell. A bit more lavendery or? (laughs) (laughs) Sandalwood. Sandalwood is my favorite. Um, Trade in your plastic containers when heating and storing food. Best to invest in durable stainless steel or glass. So there's a lot of inexpensive alternatives available. Yeah. Chuck out the non-stick fry pans. Um, try and get a good ceramic or stainless steel one that's, um, you know, doesn't emit any chemicals when you're cooking. Uh, get rid of your microwave. I'm a bit of a fan of. Um, and you know, interesting. Just a sideline saying goodbye to a plastic shower curtain. Many shower curtains made with polyvinyl chloride, which contains a number of toxic chemicals. So try cotton or. Um, Go okay. without unless you. I didn't know that. Yeah. The shower curtain. Yeah. Well, you're, you're heating it every day in the steam, and you're breathing in oh, the steam, yeah, and the. Yeah. So just little things like that. It's just going back to to basics in some respect. Right. Yeah. So it's a sim- some simple things. Simple things. But my biggest tip there, I always say to people, if you if you if you want to do something that's going to make a biggest bang for your buck straight away, is get your water filtered. Okay. Get yep. a good quality water filter. Right. And there's variations where you can start from a budget point of view, but. We encourage people to drink two liters of water a day, so you don't want to be drinking two liters of no, drinking bad water, chemicals and different things. You want to be drinking two liters of clean water, so exactly filtered water. Filtered water. I can't believe people don't have them. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. No, it's still still very common. It's health and well-being on Two When You Are FM, and we've got a couple of callers, Peter. We've got Gary from Cessnock, and he would like to talk about cholesterol medications. Hi, Gary. Hi, Peter. Hey, just a, a general inquiry. I heard you talking about cholesterol a while ago. Yep. Um, unfortunately, I've always had fairly high cholesterol. Um, never been a smoker, um, always been healthy, uh, eat all the right things as far as I know, you know, grain foods and everything like that, fruit sort of stuff. Um, but it's always been up around the 5.7, around the 6 area. Yep. Um, against my better wishes, but the doctors, what I went on to that uh, Cavstart uh, cholesterol medication. Yes. Which has brought it back down about 4.5, but I just don't like taking that sort of medication. Yeah, okay, um, okay. What, what sort of options have I got after what I have been doing? Well, look, it's, it's, it's interesting, the whole, whole debate about cholesterol. Um, if someone's had, um, like a serious, if someone's had a heart attack or had a stent put in, um, or had some sort of incident and their cholesterol's high, like I'd be the first one to say that, yeah, that would be the first port of court, like you'd have to go on to cholesterol medication. Mm-hmm. Um, but this side of things, if, you know, there's no family history of heart disease and, you know, you're generally healthy, your blood sugar's really good, um, then, yeah, definitely there's some great alternative or natural things you can try. Um, have you you've taken fish oil before? Uh, yes, I've tried fish oil. I've taken uh, turmeric. Um, turmeric. Um, yeah. Over a you know, full course of that. I don't know whether they have a difference or not, but uh, I did take that. Um, but, yeah, I've just been, just, as I said, just doing everything naturally. 
Um, but just out of interest, too, my dad did have heart problems. He passed away now, but he did have. But I'm touch wood, I'm fairly healthy. I've never had any heart problems at this stage. Okay. So, okay. Well, look, um, mm. two two things I recommend trying. One is um red rice yeast extract. Mm. So it's a powder that you can get from yep. naturopaths. Um, I find that's probably the best thing that I've come across that with cholesterol, some people generally just produce more cholesterol than what's ideal. But, um, yeah. I find for the red rice yeast extract, it sort of works a little bit like a statin almost, but it doesn't cause any side effects. Okay. Um, that's probably one of the best ones. So if you contact your local naturopath, um, mm-hmm. and I combine that with CoQ10. Okay. Have you ever taken that before? No, I haven't. No, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, coenzyme Q10. So when pharmacists, this is just my opinion, but when pharmacists hand out cholesterol medication, they really should be giving people a bottle of CoQ10 as well because the statins, one of the CoQ10 is important enzyme for production of energy and it's particularly highest in muscles in the body. And um, one of the biggest muscles, obviously, is our heart. So the statins can reduce your levels of CoQ10, so which can increase your risk of heart problems. So they should always prescribe a statin with CoQ10, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, getting onto some CoQ10 and getting some mm-hmm. of the red rice yeast extract, it's a powder, trying those two for three months and then get your cholesterol retested. Now, yes, and would I sort of give the cholesterol medication away and just try these two things that we're just saying? Um, look, I wouldn't, what I would do is maybe, um, how long have you been on the cholesterol medication for? Uh, probably nine months or ten months, something like that. Yeah, look, I can't really recommend, obviously, over the radio to stop your cholesterol medication. Sure, um, that, yeah. I, look, I'd probably be inclined to go and see a naturopath and have a discussion with them about what you could possibly try, and long mm-hmm. as long as it's done safely and you're tested regularly. You know, sometimes you can change things around a little bit, but um, you could even, yeah, yeah, I'd probably go and see someone and just get get a bit of help, just coordinating all of that. All right, sounds good. I will do for sure. Yeah, but I, I hope that helps. But that's they're the they're the two things that I've found have, have um, you know, I've had the greatest success with. All right, Peter, sounds great. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, Gary. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Cheers, thanks, bye. Gary. Still got one more call. It's Yvonne from Morpeth, and she'd like to talk about digestive problems. Well, I probably not like to talk about it, but she well, I mean, some information on digestive problems. How are you going there, Yvonne? Hello. Um, how are you? Well, thank you, Yvonne. Uh, I went to see an neurologist years ago and said I had um, digestive problems. She also told me I had a body of a 98-year-old. And, that, that wasn't very nice. How old were you? 65. Oh, well, that's not very nice at all. <laughs> <laughs> and... I have been taking a slippery elm. Yes. I don't know whether that's a great benefit or whether it isn't. Yes. But, but what I've found is I sneeze a lot. Okay. And when I sneeze, I feel sick and I gag and I bring up froth. Okay. Okay. That's an unusual combination of symptoms. Mm, mm. And I also have irritable bowel. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you, and you've always had that a sensitive gag reflex? Uh, no, only in the last few years. Yeah, okay, okay. I can't, I can't brush my teeth in the morning. I can only do them in the afternoon because as soon as I put something in my mouth, I'm, I'm gagging. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. And do you think the gag, this increase in that gag reflex is associated with your irritable bowel? I don't know. Yeah, 
Look, I don't know. Yeah. Different reasons why we can become more sensitive with that gag reflex as we get older. Do you get heartburn or reflux? Yes, I do. Yep. So sometimes, like the whole of the gut can become more re, re um, more, um, I'm lost for words, Greg. More irritable, like with having the lower bowel stuff going on and then having the heartburn and reflux, yeah. it may transfer to you know having a more sensitive gag reflex. So yeah. I would I would focus on trying to get the gut a bit more sorted generally. Yes. So and the hay fever may not be associated with the gut, but you know I often think that gut and hay fever stuff goes hand in hand. Do you? I would probably be inclined to go and see a naturopath and maybe get that whole system reassessed, right. and maybe start with selling down the gut and the reflux first, yes. and then seeing if that can help reduce that gag reflex, so you're not so reactive mm. when you're sneezing. But my feel is that it's probably coming more from an not just an irritated bowel, but an irritable whole digestive tract. Yeah, I think so. Yes. All right then, Peter. Well, I'll have to come and make you a bit, make an appointment. Yeah, I think definitely go and see someone, and um, yeah, I'm sure they'll be able to help sort you out. So slippery elm, slippery elm will do a little bit to help my gut. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love slippery elm. Yeah, yeah. All right then. Peter. All right. Thank nice you. talking to you. Thanks, Yvonne. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Peter Muller, we're nearly out of time for another week, but we'll just quickly wrap up toxins if we can. So, yeah, so I guess I didn't want to leave everybody in the lurch thinking, oh, my goodness, where's my plastic bubble? I'll never go outdoors again. <laughs> yep. So, you know, there's a lot we can do. Our body's actually designed to cope well, with you toxins. you probably should have a plastic bubble. <laughs> a glass or stainless steel. <laughs> stainless steel would be ordinary. You wouldn't be able to see too much of what's going no, on, obviously. No. Um, so, yeah, so reducing exposure, there's still lots that we can do, unfortunately, in Australia to reduce our exposure, some of the things we've talked about. But some of the great natural remedies that you can do to help improve detoxification are herbs like milk thistle or St. Mary's thistle. Yeah. And that um, actually helps to protect the liver from toxin exposure and improves detoxification um, capacity as well. Um, turmeric um, increases the detoxification of the endocrine disrupting chemicals, particularly through the liver. Um, spirulina. Um, spirulina is... Um, what's spirulina? It's like a... Um, I've never heard of spirulina before. Spirulina. I'm having a mental blank. Anyway, it's green stuff, and I think it's um, <laughs> an algae... Let's go with that. Okay. Stimulates the production of the body's primary antioxidant, glutathione, which is required to, um, again, help with detoxification. And probiotics, really working on having a healthy gut, healthy gut balance. Probiotics actually may, you can almost think of the three and a half kilo of bacteria that live in your gut as being like an extra organ. One of the roles they play is detoxification. So again, that's why looking after our gut flora is so important because they help us to get rid of these toxins once they're excreted into the bowel as well. So we definitely don't want to be doing or taking anything that's going to interfere with that um, bacterial balance. And that could be things like your unfiltered water and like the um, um, pesticides that we've been yeah. talking about today as well. So, you know, looking after those gut bugs. So taking a good quality probiotic, you know, really makes a massive difference. Is the way to go. Yeah, Peter Mullen, thank you very much. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>